Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Um, This summer we've thought about the implications of the great commandment which then spills over into the Great Commission. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all that you are. And out of that, the natural follow is to love your neighbor. God who is love, God who has loved the world, gave himself for the world, loves us as we are in him, we naturally begin to love our neighbor. We've tried to understand what that looks like, what that means, how it works. The different, I like to think of it as loving your neighbor is this diamond. And you look at it from different sides, you get a little different perspective of how beautiful it really is, right? That's, that's what's cool about stones like that. That's why we spend millions of dollars, or I don't spend millions of dollars, but people spend millions of dollars on, on um, diamonds. And, and it, it, yeah, some of it's status, but a lot of it's just the beauty of what is going on there. And so I want to finish this way with this story. The famous Christian writer, Leo Tolstoy. Um, fascinating writer, fascinating story. But often he would talk about Christian truth. Uh, well, there's no other truth, honestly. He would talk about truth in story form. And one of his stories is called Two Old Men. And in the story, Two Old Men, Leo Tolstoy tells a tale of two men, Ephraim and Elisha, who decide that before they die, they want to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They want to go see the, they want to visit the Holy Land. And after months of planning, getting ready, they collect what they need and they begin to walk toward Jerusalem and the Holy Land. It's going to be a long journey. And early on in that journey, after a long day on the road, Ephraim and Elisha come to a village that seems deserted. No one is about. And seeing a small hut close to where they entered the village, they look in to see what has happened. They enter its darkness and immediately they smell death. As their eyes adjust to the lack of the light, they see bodies on beds and with trepidation they come close and they see that people are laying on those beds still alive but barely. Elisha wants to stay and help. He encourages his companion Ephraim to go on beyond the village and he says, I will catch up with you. But as Elisha opens doors and windows and offers food and drink, he begins to see that their needs are more complex than he first imagined. And it's not only them, but the whole village that is suffering. And he finds his friend and he tells Ephraim that he wants to stay longer. Encouraging him to make his way to Jerusalem. And I will find you, he says. I will find you there. So one man stays in the village, helping the villagers find their way to happiness and health. Ultimately, never going to Jerusalem, eventually returning home. 
The other man makes his way to Jerusalem. He keeps waiting for his friend who never comes. So before long, he returns home to, to Russia. That's where Tolstoy was from. And again, walking across the continent back to his homeland, he comes at one point along the way to a village that seems strangely familiar to him. And as he looks around, he realizes it's where he left his friend. But everything seems different now. Men and women, old and young, are busy at work and play. Animals are healthy and crops are growing. And so he asks, what has happened? In simple innocence, the villagers explain that a man stopped along the way and gave them back their life. I've pondered that story a lot. All of us seemingly have goals. Our Jerusalem. Career paths that we want to take. Things we want to experience. What we want to do. What we want to get from life. Right? And yet, I truly believe that in the life of a Jesus follower, there's an intersection. There comes a time and a place where we also must ask and answer the question. But yet, what on earth am I here for? And what does it look like to follow Jesus in this world? And what is he calling me to do? And sometimes the most impactful people that have ever lived on this earth have been those people who abandoned Jerusalem because of the needs right in front of them. Peter Cesaro says this, according to Jesus, success is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. You see, whatever your definition of success is what will direct the very course of your life. And we see very clearly in the scriptures that the definition of success for you and I is to love God. And out of that love for God is to love our neighbor as ourselves. I want you to think about this word. Look at these two or these two words. What's the difference between these two words? They have the same letters They have the same amount of letters. Everything's the same except for one thing. What is it? The I. When the I is misplaced here, you change the word from either united or untied. The I is what matters where it's You know, the essence of Scripture oftentimes is the Scriptures use metaphors in in understanding and experiencing one kind of thing or another. 
I was reading about some guys who have thought about the metaphors of Scripture, and they have said this. They argue that our thought processes are largely metaphorical, and thus metaphors create reality because changes in our conceptual system affect how we perceive the world and act upon these perceptions. And I want to finish this series with this idea. Part of understanding how to love your neighbor, I believe, is in the idea of a metaphor that is shared in Scripture uh, repeatedly, multiple times. Understanding what does it look like to live our lives, how we live. And actually, I think this is the platform on which we can more effectively maximize our ability to love our neighbor as ourselves and to be more impactful in the world and to live a life like Elisha in the story and say, you know what? I can tell you one thing I did. I served and loved those around me. It's in this Romans chapter 12. I want to take you to this metaphor. It's repeated in Corinthians, but it looks like this. For just as each of us has one body with with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. Listen to Paul in Corinthians as he's writing to that church. He says in chapter 12, There are different kinds of gifts, but there is the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common fact he would continue to write as he did to the Romans just as a body though one has many parts all of its many parts form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jew or Gentile slave or free and we were given the same one spirit to drink Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And he would finish that chapter by saying this. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Listen to what Peter says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, this metaphor that's used on how I live my life out, in what context, what does it look like, and if the great commandment is to love my neighbor as myself, this teaching by Paul, this idea of the body of Christ, continues to help us understand the platform for which you and I can best love one another and our It's just an idea of a body, unified. Yes, there is diversity. The body is full of all sorts of diverse parts, is it not? 
I, I mean, just think about how unique your body is and how many different even little bones are in your hand. And, you know, we could do a whole biology lesson, but I, I think we can pass that because you already know. It's very diverse, and yet it is united. And when it, in its diversity, comes together and is one body, it then is able to perform and do incredible things. This is what John MacArthur would say. The church exists for the sake of the world. The ultimate goal of all ministry is to reach others for Christ. Jesus' final words indicate that the church is a church on mission. Living, proclaiming, teaching, serving, sharing the life and love of Jesus. It's Bonhoeffer that would say, the church is the church only when when it exists for others. And T. Wright, the church exists for what we sometimes call mission. To announce to the world That Jesus is its Lord. Alan Hirsch, when the church is on mission, it then is the true church. We just laughed about CJ stumbling through our mission statement, right? Our mission statement is we exist to do what? To create a country club? To enhance your portfolio? To enrich your life? Through all sorts of relationships, those are important. But we exist to help others, one another, do one thing, take their next steps in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. I've quoted this a number of times. I know Greg will recognize this because he said it to me a number of times. There are two great moments in a person's life. The moment you were born and the moment you realize why. It's Chris Hodges, the pastor in Alabama, who says, true fulfillment never comes alone. It can only be attained within a group of people. And so as we finish understanding what it is to love one another, I want to finish with this title or this idea or just this thought, know your role. Because the platform by which now God enables us, comes alongside us, gives us a vehicle to know what it is to maximize or to effectively maximize our efforts in loving our neighbor is through his church, the body of Christ. Finding what it is that he's given you, your gift, your talent, your role, pooling it together with other people, together united our resources, our talents, our gifts are then combined and then we are effective to a maximum role in being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this world. I like this idea. We serve one another in order that we may then serve the world. And the body of Christ is this important analogy, this metaphor that we need to grab a hold of, that in you looking at love my neighbor as myself. Well, how do I do that? Well, of course, there's individual actions that you're taking. There is the work of Christ in your heart to begin to allow you to 
to love others as you love yourself, to clean away the selfishness and the the self-centered kind of mindset. All of that's taking place. But then alongside of that, he has created this organism, this body, this organization called the church where you can just inherently jump in, become a part of something, find your role, serve others, serve one another, live into one another, and then together you like are affected in such an incredible way loving our community and the people around us, our neighbors. To complete our mission, we're called to use the gifts and abilities that God has graced us with. Or what we could call the talents that we've been given. We live in a society infatuated with talent, do we not? Um, Think about our shows that we watch, that most people watch. America's Got Talent. American Idol. Our society is obsessed with athletic achievements and sports. We, we gravitate toward those things. But here is the, con- the, the stark contrast in understanding talent from God's perspective. The world uses talent to possess money, fame, and position. The Christian uses talent to advance the gospel and the kingdom of God. That's why I love what David Brooks, the New York Times columnist, uh, I, I, I like David Brooks. I probably wouldn't see the, I definitely don't see the world through his lens. Uh, he still writes for the New York Times, but uh, he's so insightful at times. I, I love his, his brain, the way he works. But he says, he said this, commencement speakers are always telling young people to follow their passions, be true to their self. He said, this is a vision of life that begins with self and ends with self. But people on the road to character growth Do not find their vocations by asking, what do I want from life? They ask, what is life asking of me? How do I match my intrinsic talent with one of the world's deep needs? See, David, you're not even a believer. And you get this idea of how God wired us. Talents, the gifts, the abilities he's given to you. He gives to you for one reason. Use them to serve others, to love others, to show them Jesus. Man, you guys are quiet today. I feel like I'm just in a monologue up here, man. Right? Everybody awake? Everybody awake? All right. I think this is just the perfect way to finish this, this series. You want me to love my neighbor, Chip? Or you're telling me, I don't want you to do this. The Lord wants you to do it. I'm just a messenger. This is life. This is what it's about. But I want to remind you that the vehicle of the church, the body of Christ, is where you find out how to maximize this. How to really live into this. How to actually go beyond what you can do in your own meager self efforts. This word gifts that I've read to you in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. It's always this word charismata. It's grace gifts. It says the gifts that you've been given, it's this idea that God sovereignly and undeservedly has given each one of us a gift. At least one gift. Maybe more. You've been gifted and guess what? You didn't work hard enough to get it. You didn't train hard enough to get it. 
You didn't come from the right place to get it. God in his wisdom and his sovereignty says that as you are in Christ, this is beyond your natural gifts and ability and talents, that I want to impart within you this spiritual gift that you can't like, you can't serve enough time before you, okay, then I can get this gift. He says, I'm, I, I want to give you this gift. I want to undeservedly give it to you. I'm not worried about uh, how bad you've been in your life before Christ. I'm not worried about how, what, he said, I just want to give you a gift to use to enhance the body, to grow my kingdom, to serve one another, to love your neighbor. Every one of us, when we are in Christ, are sovereignly and undeservedly been given a gift. That's what this scripture is talking about. This is this word. Some people are like, I'm not good at anything. Anybody like that out here? Can I just, I'm not good at anything. If you're a believer, guess what? You have one of the most powerful things in the world. You've been given a spiritual gift by God himself. God calls us to use what he has given us. I would remind you that to understand spiritual gifts that every Christian has at least one. I believe that most believers have received more than one. They are given at the moment of of regeneration, but unfortunately... They are, oftentimes they lay undiscovered and dormant for long periods of time. The spiritual gifts are not the same as the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. They're not the same as the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? The spirit that comes in you is creating a character of life, a conformity to the image of Christ. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. This is above and beyond those things that he sovereignly says here. I know this is cheap, and some of you know that, like, you laugh at this illustration because you know how much I love, like, Marvel and, um, what's the other one? DC Comics. Is it DC? I'm going to be honest. I just... Some of you are like, you are terrible. I know the super action things, I just don't get it. Like, I don't watch it. I, I does, it does, right? Some of you love it. Like, I mean, it's cool. And I get, I get why you love it. I just don't. But it's as if, like, Superman is just given these powers. Batman has just intrinsically these powers. The idea is in spiritual gifting that you are given these things supernaturally to be used for God's kingdom. Some gifts are more useful in churches. Others are more useful in a different way in the kingdom. But they all result in an edification of the body of Christ. Gifts are God's spiritual equipment for effective service and edification of the body. You know, I always like to take you back to this. And in fact, next Sunday, we're going to visit this a little bit more. But I like for... The idea of us to all find our shape in Christ. What are my spiritual gifts? What is that? Can I answer that question? Do I know? Beyond that, just the way we're wired. What is my heart for? What are my passions? What do I get fired up the most about? God wants to use that. Hopefully if it's a godly thing, right? If you're looking at me and saying the things that I get most fired up about are taxes... I get getting fired up about that, okay? The longer I live, the realize, the more I realize, oh my goodness, 
I just pay taxes on my taxes and taxes for, right? I get that. But if that's the thing you're most known for, fired up about, I want to take a step back. But what is it that fires you up? I'm looking at families here that, like, some of you, like, you've been fired up by kids who don't have homes. You've adopted fostered right things like that all sorts of things I've talked about my own work in 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 the abortion field or or pregnancy and like I just am fired up by that I've been passionate about that what is it in your life allow God to use your passion for his good and his glory what are your abilities God gives natural abilities Yes, there's spiritual gifts but there's also just using your natural abilities some of you have the ability to to convince, to, to talk, to, to help, to all these different things. And yes, there's a marriage with your spiritual gifting, but there's also just a, a, a mindset that whatever I can do well, I first of all want to do well for the glory of God. I want to take all my abilities and use them in a way that glorifies God. Your personality, understanding who you are, and your experience. Where have I been? What have I seen? What have I lived through that can be helpful then? I've talked to people who have all sorts of these other things, but yet they've went through tremendous abuse in their life as kids. And none of those fit the other categories, but God uses those things in tremendous ways. Because out of that, they're able to look at someone else who's struggling, who's facing the same thing and saying, listen, my experience is that God can do and has done this. Find your shape. We're going to talk about that a little more next week but listen to Romans 12 as he continues as he talks about gifts is it if it's serving then serve if it's teaching then teach if it's to encourage then give encouragement if it's giving then give generously if it's to lead do it diligently if it's to show mercy do it cheerfully Listen to him in Corinthians. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge. To another faith. To another gifts of healing. To another miraculous power. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another an interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Listen to what he says in Ephesians. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. All these things to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I want to remind you that an important part of understanding how to love your neighbor is to find and know and live into what God has given you to use for his kingdom. And when you use yours and I use mine, it creates a powerful, powerful dynamic that can go way beyond what I could ever accomplish on my own. You know, the gifts that I have, uh, or gift, whatever you want, you can think whatever you want, but I'll tell you, I got one at least. You might think I have none, but God says I got one. It's in this context of the body of Christ that I've been able. This is the vehicle most powerful. Like if I didn't have the church, if I had chose to not be in the church and try to use what God's given to me, maybe a little bit, right? But in this context, 
it's been used immeasurably more. It's no different with you. Find your role. Know your role. Serve one another. And then together serve the world. Loving our neighbor is maximized in finding our gifts and using our talents and abilities together. It's kind of like this, these four D's with gifts. Discover your gift. Dedicate yourself to your gift. Develop that gift. And then deploy that gift. But you're always asking yourself and loving your neighbor and how how I do that best. You're always asking yourself, have I found my, I was made for this. Do you know the answer to that this morning? Can you look at me and say, Chip, I know what God's given me. I know the gift that he's given me. This is the place that he wants me to be. This is the thing he wants me to do. And I realize that why God does that is because God is intent on loving this world. He loves this world. He wants to continue to show his love in this world. And he uses his people to be a megaphone, to amplify his love all around. Yes, creation is exclaiming the love and the glory of God, but most powerfully, the love and the glory and the grace of God is shown through his people. Those who were lost and broken and have found him and have become new creatures in Christ Jesus who begin to then live the image of Christ and then together are not untied They're tied up to something. They're united to then say, hey, I'll serve you. And as we're healthy, we'll serve. Because it's all about proclaiming and exclaiming the love of Jesus Christ. Have you found your, I was made for this place? Do you realize that You've been called to love your neighbor as yourself. But a way that you can maximize that and what the scriptural plan is for you is to understand the gift, the talent, the abilities God's given you. It's not to bring fame and position and money to your own life. It's to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Have you found that place? Do you know what that is? Are you, have you discovered it? Are you dedicating yourself to making sure you find the place to use that? Are you developing it, getting better at it, knowing more how to use it? And are you deploying it? This is how we can best love our neighbor. I would say this. You can find these in your notes online. I just challenge you. Commit. Commit to discover, develop, and deploy whatever gift or gifts you've been given. Pray. Seek divine guidance. Have you spent time ever just praying singularly? God, what have you gifted me in? What is it? Study. Study the gift passages. Find. Hey, when it says encouragement to some he's given to encourage, that's me. I see it. I identify with it. I know it. A lot of people like the the give, give generously. That's me. Like I'm supposed to make a lot of money. 
lot of people like that kid. What is it? Study. Identify. Seek quality counsel. Have you ever looked at somebody else and say, what do you think I'm gifted in? Have you ever asked anybody else? You see this list in Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians? Where do I fit? You ever ask anybody? Ask somebody. Ask your family. Ask your friends. What, what do you think my gift is? Help me understand. <laughs> Sometimes we, we think something that's not true, right? And we need somebody to say, yeah, I, I would not try to be a teacher if I were you. I see you want to, but eh. Seek quality counsel. Test. I challenge you. When you've committed, prayed, studied, sought, jump in. Test it. Figure out where it's at and then for six to eight weeks, just do it. Go after it hard. See if it then gives you the joy factor. Examine. Like, do I, do I feel like this is exactly what, this is my major. I was made for this. And then through it all, recognize that the blessed life, the blessed life is always with find what God has given us and we use it for his glory and we get to impact this world in an eternal way isn't it going to be cool in eternity when we know so much more than we know now we see from an eternal perspective to be able to walk cross somebody's path and them say, look at us and say, hey man, I'm here and I see it now, but you teaching, you leading, you stepping up, you living into God's design, it's what helped me see Jesus. There's nothing better than that. There could be nothing better than that. The blessing of God rests on people find God's will for their life, understand how he's wired them, and live into serving him. To love our neighbor. Our Father, I just pray today as we kind of wind down this series this summer, as we've thought more intently and more thoroughly about what it is to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. We've walked through different thoughts how to find freedom ourselves to be, to love others. But we finish with this idea that we maximize those efforts when we find our role in the body of Christ. We understand the gift that you've given to us and we deploy it. And together as we serve one another, then together we serve the world with our gifts and talents and abilities. And our community is love. It's shown the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, please let not one person that's sitting in this place not live their life without being, at, being able to answer the question, this is, I was made for this. This is my place. This is my role. This is my gift. And 
I'm going after it. I'm using it. Please, please don't let that happen. For your glory and for your kingdom. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.